0: at luckylandslots.com
2: available to players in the US excluding Washington and Michigan no purchase necessary vgw group void where prohibited by law 18 plus Turns and
3: conditions apply
0: i want to thank you for listening and for all your support as we at death sex and money have made our move to slate your stories voice memos and emails have meant so much to the team as part of this transition there's a new way to support our show financially at slate our new home and you'll get something special in return Hey, this is Anna. A note about this episode. We first put it out in 2016 after we set up recording equipment in a Planned Parenthood clinic in Brooklyn and asked people, what brought you in today? You'll notice a lot of the Planned Parenthood patients we talked to were there for basic reproductive health care, not abortions. Since we put out this episode, there's been a big change in how Planned Parenthood pays for that care. The Trump administration banned clinics from receiving Title X federal funding, money that covers things like STI treatment, cancer screenings, and contraception for low-income patients, if those clinics also provide abortions or referrals for abortions, with a few narrow exceptions. In response, Planned Parenthood stopped taking those federal funds altogether. Roe versus Wade was decided 47 years ago this month, and Americans remain evenly split on abortion rights. In a 2018 Gallup survey, 48% of Americans identified as pro-choice, 48% as pro-life. How that divide on abortion plays out in our politics has become familiar and predictable. Behind that public debate, though, are private stories that we hear a lot less frequently. Here again are some of them from Planned Parenthood patients that we met at that clinic in Brooklyn.
1: Usually when you press the number six on the elevator, you get, like, the side eye from people. Like, Planned Parenthood equals abortion, baby killers. Like, I don't know what people think goes on in here. ¶¶
0: This is Death, Sex, and Money. We need to be defunding Planned Parenthood, not only state by state, but I think across the country. The show from WNYC about the things we think about a lot. It's really an attack against a woman's right to choose. And need to talk about more.
3: They do some very good work. Cervical cancer, lots of
0: women's health issues. I'm Anna Sale. The clinic's in a nondescript old office building in downtown Brooklyn. Next to a drugstore, a Starbucks is across the street. You enter a dusty lobby, go up six floors in a small elevator, and arrive at the Brooklyn Planned Parenthood Clinic. This is
3: uh,
2: Planned Parenthood.
0: There's the, almost like the airport security that you have to walk through. This man is here for an STD test after a partner tested positive for chlamydia. He asked us not to use his name. Put your metal objects and and, uh, anything in your pockets in the tray and then walk through. I didn't necessarily expect it. But as soon as I saw it, I was like, oh yeah, that's right, that makes sense. Particularly after a gunman entered a Planned Parenthood in Colorado last year, he killed three people and injured several more. After security, the waiting room in Brooklyn looks like a typical doctor's office. Depending on the time of day, the lobby's chairs can get packed with patients. You know, I think I might be the oldest person in that room. And how old are you, if you don't mind? 52. 52. And still sexually active. Yeah, you should. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) i <laughs> still making dumb mistakes. That's probably the worst part of it. Over a number of days last winter and spring, we collected interviews at this Planned Parenthood clinic in Brooklyn. It's one of five in New York City and one of more than 600 clinics nationwide. What happens inside Planned Parenthood clinics has long been at the center of a raging political debate in the U.S., And recently, the scrutiny has been particularly fierce. Federal funding for Planned Parenthood has nearly caused two government shutdowns, and about a dozen states have cut Medicaid funding for Planned Parenthood in the past year. But for as loud as the debate about Planned Parenthood has gotten, we don't often hear from patients who use their services. So we wanted to collect some of their stories. I interviewed people who volunteered to talk with me while they waited for their appointments at this Brooklyn clinic. I talked to some staff members, too. The patients came in for a number of reasons. STD checks, annual exams, birth control pills. No one was seeking an abortion on the day I talked to them. But for the people I met, abortion was often an important part of their history with Planned Parenthood.
2: I've been coming here basically my whole adult sexual life since I was 16 and now I'm 38.
0: This patient asked for me to call her Treasure. She didn't want to use her real name. She came in for a pap smear and a checkup. Treasure grew up in Brooklyn. She still lives here. Her mom had her when she was 15 and her dad was incarcerated when she was growing up. Treasure says Planned Parenthood is where she learned about sex. Why did you first come here when you were 16?
2: Everybody was just talking about sex or whatever and my mother used to talk about sex, too, but she used be like, oh, you got to get yourself checked out. You don't want to be having sex. You don't know what's wrong with you. These people is dirty. And I didn't know what she really mean by that, you know, people is dirty. So I just came here, and, you know, they explained sex to many diseases and the outbreaks and, you know, just to be careful. Use condoms, use birth control, and everybody is so nice to answer No matter what question it is, you may think it's dumb. No question this is too dumb and too silly.
0: Were you sexually active when you first came here at 16?
2: Yeah, I'm not going to lie. I was I was having sex. One boyfriend and that's it. <laughs> have you ever been pregnant? Yes, I have. Yes, I have. Do you have kids or did you no, choose I not to have kids. kids? I um, always chose abortion. I always chose abortion because I always felt I wasn't ready. I never really had a stable partner so now. It's just hard to have kids in New York and you're a single woman. And... How old were you when you had your first abortion? I think I was 19. To this day, I still think about the kids I abort. And it hurts me, but I knew I wasn't in a place to take care of them.
0: Through her mid-20s, Treasure didn't regularly use contraception. After her first abortion at Planned Parenthood, Treasure had a second abortion, then a third and a fourth, one in a hospital and two at another women's health clinic.
2: When you young sometimes, like they say, young, dumb, full of cum. So you just like, oh my God, it's not going to happen to me. I didn't use condoms. I was having all these abortions. I started, like, losing a piece of me, and I didn't want that to happen. I didn't want to keep having an abortion. I didn't want to keep just killing babies. I felt like, that's not, it's not, we're not going to do this. And that's when... I really got grounded with Planned Parenthood because I said, like, you know, please help me. I'm having all these abortions, and I don't want to keep having them, you know? And that's when the counselor spoke to me, and she was like, you know what? We have different things. So that's when I started trying to depot, and that's when I started just coming in every three months, getting my shots done. And it was like, it was cool. It was cool. It was cool. You know, I, I felt it like I was on the right track with handling my life. I'm like, I'm going to have a kid when I'm ready. Are you on contraception now? No, I'm not.
0: Are you trying to have a kid? Are you trying right to get now, pregnant? I'm
2: finally trying to have a kid. Finally. Finally. Congratulations to me. I'm finally trying to have a kid. Finally. After all these years, I feel like I'm in a place, you know. I finished school. I have a nice job. I feel like I could take care. I'm not going to be the bestest parent. I'm not rich, but I'm going to make sure they eat it. <laughs> and I you know, have a roof over their head and give them lots and lots of love. What
0: are the hard days like for you? Uh, The hard
4: days are I guess if I see patients that really seem to be stuck in their lives and making unfortunate decisions for themselves and they're unhappy What do you mean by that? Well, women who keep having a lot of unwanted pregnancies and um, seem to not really think ahead about protecting themselves from it, or maybe they're in relationships with men who might even force them to do things, but
0: the patient isn't telling me those things. Helene Gross is a midwife and nurse practitioner at this Planned Parenthood clinic. She graduated high school in 1973, the same year as Roe versus Wade. She's worked here for more than 10 years. Have you been a patient at Planned Parenthood?
4: I haven't been a patient at Planned Parenthood, um, but I have terminated a pregnancy a long time ago, and I have no regrets. Do you feel comfortable telling me about that? Sure. Um, It was in the mid-'80s, And I remember feeling nauseous when Live Aid was on. And um, I actually remember when I got the results of the pregnancy test because it felt like somebody slapped me in the face. I was just so shocked because I just, I think because I had never been pregnant before and it just sort of didn't seem possible. And I just knew I didn't want children. I went to my regular gynecologist and I had the termination there. How do you remember feeling afterward? Relieved. Relieved and tired. Do you tell your patients that you've had an abortion? Sometimes I do when it seems to fit the situation. Um, I guess especially if I feel like I I want them to know that I'm not judging them.
0: Over and over again, patients told me that coming to this clinic felt different than other doctors' offices. More comfortable, less judgmental. But still, when you walk through the door...
5: Everyone turns and looks at you, which is fine. But you know, people are
0: like, what are you in for? (laughs) I met Sarah at this clinic as she waited for her appointment for an annual exam.
5: Everyone's like, are you knocked up?
0: (laughs) Have you ever been pregnant? I have, yeah. Do you have any children? Nope. Sarah's 32, and she told me she's had two abortions. Her second was three years ago at Planned Parenthood. Her first was at another clinic in New York.
5: The other place I went to was
0: not fun.
5: I mean, it's not fun anyway, but it was way worse than being at Planned Parenthood. What was different? Um, the staff and the price. They charged me a lot more at the other one.
0: Sarah remembers paying several hundred dollars for her abortion at the other clinic. She had insurance that helped her cover her second one at Planned Parenthood. She says in addition to the better price, she also remembers a different feeling.
5: Here it was just very reassuring. And also I kind of bonded with the other people in the waiting room. It was this one young girl and the, an older lady that was married that had children. She just, you know, it's all different kinds of people. <laughs> and she was really nervous. And uh, I think I was like, I tried to calm her down because this, this was the second time for me. And, um, and I was like, it's fine. It'll be over before you know it. Like, it's terrible and it's painful. And you'll have, you know, lots of different emotions about it, but it'll be over and it, you'll be fine. You'll be okay. And you'll get through it and you'll survive. I've done it.
0: And a lot of other people have done it, so. I love that idea. <laughs> of like a little conversation in a waiting room about something so deep and personal.
5: Yeah, yeah. And no, we had, we all like, I don't know, uh, I saw them later as I was leaving. And I don't know if we like high-fived or hugged or
0: something. We were like, we can do this, so. <laughs> Coming up. I hear about the protesters who gather outside this clinic regularly.
5: I'm here because we are praying against the killing of babies.
0: And I hear about the Planned Parenthood volunteers, who stand right beside them to greet patients. Last week, inspired by writer Saeed Jones and his mom, Carol, We asked you to send us your New Year's determinations. You told us about the concrete things you want to make happen in 2020.
2: I have a determination to find the job that fits me. To play the piano more. To get the promotion I've been working towards for almost 10 years.
0: And it's not just the things you want to do, it's how you want to do them. I will not negotiate
2: with my negative thoughts anymore.
3: I will remember my worth
2: in relationships, in my time,
3: in what I wanna do in life. I recently
2: learned how to make cheesecake
4: and it was a lot easier than I thought. So I thought, well, probably there's a lot of things that I've been wanting to do that are easier than I thought. So I have dubbed
0: the year 2020, the year of being curious, and I'm gonna try new things. One new thing we are determined to do as a team in 2020 Give you even more death, sex, and money. You may have noticed that in the last few months, we've been putting more episodes into our feed, almost twice as many as we used to. Most of those extra episodes are brand new, but we're also sharing some of our favorite shows from the archives with you, like this one. It gives us a chance to introduce them to people who just started listening to the show. Plus, we love hearing them again, too. On the next episode, your stories about friendship and race. Race has always played a part in my friendships. Like, I don't choose my friends because they're white,
1: but my friends happen to be white.
0: It's easy to accidentally racially
1: segregate. I have always kind of felt that there is this wall. Your white friend can just make one comment, and it feels like a trap door has opened up from underneath. Even now, you know, we hardly talk, we hardly see each other. And I'm thrust back into the realities of living in a racist America.
0: This is Death, Sex, and Money from WNYC. I'm Anna Sale. The abortion rate in the United States is declining. Still, about 30% of American women will have an abortion by the time they're 45 years old, according to the Guttmacher Institute. But the stigma surrounding abortion is very real. A recent study of women who'd had abortions found that more than half felt like they needed to keep it a secret from close friends and family. And a third said they were concerned about what other people thought about their decision to have an abortion.
6: Um, Can I have you introduce yourself? Tell me your first and last name. Sure. Um, My first name's Shani.
0: Shani Fintoni came into this Planned Parenthood clinic to get a lump in her breast checked out. She says she felt the stigma surrounding abortion 13 years ago. She was 28, She'd recently broken up with her boyfriend, and she found out she was pregnant. Um,
6: Well, I uh, was coming out of a long-term relationship. You know how you do those three months of, we'll still keep sleeping together to make the pain less, no? And then it happened then.
0: After her positive pregnancy test, Shaney went to her regular gynecologist in Manhattan to get an abortion.
6: I had to sit in a waiting room with expectant moms. um, Visibly pregnant, wanting to be pregnant. Big giant engagement rings. Love moms. I have four godchildren. Children are fantastic. But there's just that thing that there's something slightly what's either what's wrong with you or you're definitely different from me and it's not it's not the funnest.
0: When you told the doctor you wanted to terminate your pregnancy, do you remember using the word abortion?
6: I don't think anybody used the word abortion. Uh, no, nobody used it. It was so bizarre. The whole thing was just bizarre. It was like, no, I don't have plans of continuing this pregnancy because that's basically how he posed the question. So what's, you know, should we set you up for a follow-up appointment, three months, And prenatal events? And I was like, whoa, 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 no. And um, no, no one used the word abortion at all. When you think back
0: on that time when you were 28 and choosing to get an abortion, how do you think about it now?
6: I ha- I'm happy. I'm happy. I'm just grateful that it was an option for me. Um, you do the math for a while. It, it, to check in, I think. I think, you know, check in, make sure you're not a bad person. Like a emotional cutting would be the the term the date was a, a date for me for a while for sure um and then I was fine until probably around like 36 37 definitely 38 you know you've now reached the age where this decision's real You're, you've made plans to not have children but I never regretted having the abortion um The only thing that I would cry about after, later in those years, was thinking I was never going to find a a man that would be okay with the fact that I didn't want to have children. Or that you find a man at 38, because they say statistically that's impossible. Shaney's 41 now, and she
0: got married just over a year ago. She and her husband are both at peace with not having kids. In fact, Shaney's last appointment at Planned Parenthood before the visit where I met her was to get an IUD. There are plenty of mothers who come to Planned Parenthood. Jahan Perez is one of them.
1: I have three girls. How old are they? 10, 12, 6.
0: Jahan comes to this clinic every three months for her depo shot. She told me, for her, birth control should be called uterus control. She has endometriosis, and being on birth control helps ease the symptoms. I get
1: really painful cramps, and I just can't deal with that. Like, my world shuts down. Like, I don't eat, I don't drink, I don't get off the bed, unless it's to go change, like, a soaked pad or something. Like, I don't—it's—yeah, it immobilizes you. So, yeah, I couldn't do that anymore. Have you had your shot yet today? Not as yet. And how do you pay for it? Um, Well, unfortunately, I don't make enough money. So I fit into the sliding scale and I have um, Medicaid and it helps me out. So, yeah.
0: And then do you have to pay some cash? It's all covered. Yeah. Has it always been that way when you've been getting shots?
1: Um, No. At one point I was paying for it when I was working full time. But now that I'm back in school, Yeah. yeah, I'm a student. I'm poor.
0: Half of all Planned Parenthood patients are on Medicaid, like Jahan. According to its annual report, Planned Parenthood received more than $500 million in federal and state money last year from Medicaid and family planning grants. Jahan started taking depot shots after her third daughter was born. Reliable contraception
1: is an added benefit. I actually got pregnant because I was irresponsible with the pills. So, yeah. Did you have a moment where you thought, do I want to have this kid? I did I did, I had a lot of moments like that, and I don't uh, i don't I don't touch the abortion topic too much because I went to Catholic school, but I don't believe everything I read either, so I think it's a personal decision, so and for you, it felt right to become a mom, yeah, I had to do it.
0: At this clinic in Brooklyn, there are regular protesters who oppose abortion. They gather at least once a week, usually on Saturdays, beside the building's entrance on the street.
5: We are here to pray. We're not here to persecute anyone. We're not here to to cast any blame or any judgments. We're just here to pray.
0: This protester, named Mary, is a middle-aged Catholic woman from Brooklyn. On the day we met her, she stood alongside two men, they all held rosary beads. Mary said they recite prayers like the Our Father and Hail Mary as women walk into the clinic.
6: Ninety to ninety-five percent of the women
0: I see going to this clinic are African-American, and I think that's a genocide. I was talking to one black woman who told me, she was in her 40s, she said she and every, every one of her friends has
5: had an abortion. That to me is a tragedy. That's a major, major tragedy. How many people have we
0: lost because of that? Stationed right beside Mary and her fellow protesters were two Planned Parenthood volunteers wearing pink vests. They welcomed patients walking into the building.
3: We are glorified door greeters. We stand outside of the clinic, open door, smile a lot as people come in.
0: I talked with one of these
3: volunteers. Her name is Ria. This particular group is not... They're better than other (laughs) protesters. I mean, I had... There was a guy... Who used to yell sort of racist things as people were coming in the clinic? Um, like and what? Don't let them take your black baby.
0: And if someone is, if someone is walking up to the building, appears flustered, upset by seeing or hearing the protesters, what do you do?
3: Usually. They're confused. I get a lot of confused looks, like "What's going on?" Like the squint, like oh, what's going on?" And we just smile at them. We smile and we say, "Oh, you know, welcome. Come on in." We get we grab the door for them, and you, I think usually just that initial smile breaks whatever discomfort they're feeling. But I, I, I know that sense of discomfort. I've had that personally coming into. The clinic for myself. Have you ever had an abortion? I have. At Planned Parenthood.
0: <laughs> Do you want to tell me about it?
3: Well, I'm happy that I did it. I would not. I don't. I don't. I don't have kids. I wouldn't. I don't really. I don't really tell anyone ever. Why not? I don't know. I should. Because i um, that's stupid. It's really dumb. One in three women have an abortion. <laughs> and for all the time that I've been involved in Planned Parenthood, I never really talk about it. It feels private. It is private. I mean, it's not like I had a root canal. <laughs> but I don't know. Mostly, I mean, honestly, mostly because... Mostly because people make you feel bad about it. You'd, like you're a bad person they make you feel like you did something wrong mostly I mean really the driving reason was because I don't, I did not want to be a single mom um, my mom is a single mom and she gave up everything for me <laughs> she left me in trinidad as an infant she was a nanny for twins for some other from another for another family while she left her child (laughs) she came back she was able to bring me over you know like that was really hard i see how hard my mom worked like she sent me to private school (laughs) all my life I know that that took a lot out of her. I don't think I could have done that as a single parent like I would not have been able to do that.
0: Yeah, and you had a very you had observed the reality of what it is to raise a kid on your own very up close.
3: Yeah, for sure.
0: Do you remember an interaction with anyone at the clinic when you had your abortion that that sticks out?
3: The truth is is that if you go and you're making a big decision in your life and you're in your head and you're thinking about different things and you're wondering if this is the right choice and you're, and you're, and you're there and you made the appointment and you've been thinking and now you're like crossing the line. Somebody being a jerk to you could <laughs> totally just melt you down. Just, just tear you down and make you feel awful. Or somebody with a smile and somebody who holds your hand because I know that someone held my hand. Because I do remember that. Could just make you feel calm and make you feel good at a time where maybe you don't feel good.
0: That's a Planned Parenthood patient and volunteer named Ria. Since I visited the clinic, Shaney Fentoni has gotten good news about the lump in her breast. It looks to be a benign cyst, but the doctors where she was referred are still watching it closely. The man in the waiting room got a clean STD test back. I'm glad that I got myself checked out and even happier with the results, he wrote me in an email later. And Treasure says she and her partner are still trying, but she's not pregnant yet. Death, Sex, and Money is a listener-supported production of WNYC Studios. The team includes Katie Bishop, Chester Jesus Soria, Emily Botine, Casey Means, and Andrew Dunn. Our interns are Carson Frame and Brandi Gonzalez. And special thanks to Destry Sibley and Anna Hyatt for their help on this episode. I'm on Twitter at Anna Sale. The show is at DeathSexMoney. And at the end of a long day at the clinic, we did one last interview with Dina, a nurse practitioner. She'd had a packed schedule of patients, but still made
1: time for herself. I actually had my IUD inserted today. Today? Today. Yeah, so I, um, the plan was always to do it at the end of the day, but of course lunch was when we had all this time, so everyone's like, and you're still here? I guess you're, you're are you doing okay? And I'm like, yeah, I'm fine. I mean, I'm kind of like hyper-aware of my
0: uterus, but otherwise I'm fine. <laughs> I'm Anna Sale, and this is Death, Sex, and Money from WNYC.
5: Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring:
6: a
3: laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh?
5: Ah. Oh.